that story, the parable of the Good Samaritan is one that we use most of the time when we talk about thoughtfulness, consideration, and kindness. And it's good to remember that the Samaritan at that time was considered an outcast by the Jews. So this guy that walked, came by was not somebody who was viewed favorably by the Jews. His people were considered inferior. Since the talk that I gave last week, in which I talked about the Freedom Summer, one of the oldest living people from the Freedom Summer has died, one of the organizers. And it could have been the same day that I gave that talk, but Congressman John Lewis. When John Lewis was a student in Nashville studying the ministry in the early 1960s, he was in his 20s, he became a follower of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his philosophy of nonviolent resistance. And he protested the refusal of certain restaurants in Nashville to serve black people. The reporter Brent Staples said that when recalling John Lewis on Monday, that these students came in that restaurant and sat down and asked to be fed. And when they were told that they were, they were not to be served because they were black, they stayed. They took a lot of abuse from it. People spat on them, beat them, battered them, and poured condiments over their head. All kinds of things. Author David Halberstam was working at the Nashville, Tennessean newspaper at the time. And he wrote that the protest had been conducted with exceptional dignity. And gradually, one image had come to prevail. That of elegant, courteous, young black people holding their Gandhian principles of nonviolence, seeking the most elemental of rights while being assaulted by young white hoodlums who beat them up and on occasion extinguished cigarettes on their bodies. John Lewis and his fellow protesters were putting into practice the principle of returning to no man evil for evil. He said, one method of practicing this approach when faced with a hateful, angry, aggressive person is to imagine that person as an infant, as a baby. If you can see this full-grown attacker who faces you as a pure, innocent child that he or she once was, it is not hard to find compassion in your heart. But then it wasn't just a tactic. It was a way of life. It was embracing the biblical prescription that one must love one's enemies. And it's the hardest thing in the world to carry out. But John Lewis worked hard to carry it out and to teach others to do the same. The Good Samaritan in this parable is on a journey. 
in both cases, the Samaritan and Lewis and those other protesters chose to sustain another rather than to harm him. When they were being harmed, or when, when the protesters were being harmed, they chose to raise up the other people to try to show them that what their best could be. Rich DeSalvo uh, introduced me to the Confucius saying that the man of Ren is one who, desiring to sustain himself, sustains others, and desiring to develop himself, develops others. John Lewis's approach was treating somebody with kindness who tried to do him harm, sustaining someone who wrongs him, serving people who refused to serve him. So this talk is about kindness, thoughtfulness, consideration, even in the face of harm. And I always like to have us think about times that someone else did something kind for us. And when I make a list for myself, the times I remember most strikingly are the times that I felt the most vulnerable and alone. Those things continue to stand out. The Samaritan is alone on a journey. The traveler who was beaten was alone. This was an opportunity for kindness, for helping other people. Other people also saw it as an opportunity for meanness because there was somebody who was weakened. So when people are alone and vulnerable, we can step in, we can step up. The thief, the people in the restaurant who ganged up on other people did not rise to their best. So what are some ways in which people choose to attack another person? They might call people names, they might ostracize, they might circulate gossip. There are obviously a long, there's a long list of ways in which people can attack others in addition to the physical. So why do you think they do it? Well, to make them feel better. To make themselves feel better. To feeling that by putting somebody else down, they will raise themselves up. Michael? They're scared to go against something their friends are doing. Scared to go against something their friends are doing. And often it... In, in, in almost every case we come up with, it's a sign of insecurity. And we talk about the pecking order. In a, in a chicken yard, there is a pecking order among the chickens, and there will be one chicken that just gets it from everybody because he's at the bottom of the social rank. But that pecking order... Uh, is again uh, 
something that people take advantage of. But when we fear attack, it harms us. It keeps us from producing what we could, keeps us from being our best. And I always talk about the example of a bird that's feeding along the ground. And instead of just purposely, purposefully looking for worms and things to eat, it's always looking up and looking around, then going back to its task and interrupting it to look around. When we fear attack, we can't be fully on, on task. Edmund Burke said, no passion effectively robs the mind of all its powers of acting and reasoning as fear. All people have times when they are fearful, when they're in need of support. And it's in this sort of service that we can protect each other. It's one of the things that we try to create in our community here. That safety, that feeling of protection, we can be purposeful. If we know that we are going to be in a, a place where people will defend us and be, be respectful of us, we can go after the things that we are eager to go after. When I was teaching European history, I started noticing the pattern that when there was a dark age, when people feared for their safety, they built walls and trade stopped and ideas and goods were not exchanged from one place to another, one country to another, one town to another. And so progress stopped. Countries and leaders will attack others and then look to see what the polls, poll numbers do. The more insecure they feel, they look, the more they look for scapegoats to their problems. If somebody's about to lose an election, attack. Go after the other people. They're cowed by fear or favor of the crowd, as Tim 519 says. Adolf Hitler, under the guise of traditional German values, made political gains by attacking other people. Communities like Hitler's are built on exclusion. Communities like ours are built on inclusion, on respect for the individual. Beware the person, beware the political leader or the person down the street who picks on somebody at the bottom of what other people see as the bottom of the social ladder. People who are trying to gain traction in our communities. People who are trying to become uh, citizens. There is a major, major warning in this lesson that we have talked about for decades. Beware the person or group who says, I alone have the truth. My religion, my political party, my race. Because in that kind of thinking are the seeds of genocide and persecution. They're the seeds of division because once we start to cut out one group, there, there are, are going to be divisions in every different group and ranking. Uh, and that's why it's particularly important that we not even start. 
So how can we respond when people are mean? It will happen. Uh, and it's very important for us to be prepared for it when it happens. How, how can we respond and still be true to the values that we have at camp? What? Treat them with kindness. Treat them with kindness. And I'm going to see if I can find my quotation here. I'll come back to it. But yes, treat them with kindness. And it's disarming if somebody treats us with meanness and we respond with kindness. Michael? Speak up and, and don't be a bystander. Speak up and don't be a bystander. The silence will be seen as acquiescence. It will be seen as approval for that abuse. Think about stop and think. If I were the person in the ditch, person being picked on, how would I want to be treated? Count to 10. Think of our own faults. We all make mistakes, but think of how we would, uh, how we should respond. What is our best? Volunteer. Volunteer for service of some kind. Having this habit of kindness, kindness and little things makes us more likely to be kind in the big things. Take responsibility the way the Samaritan does. Speak up. Because that's the glue that holds a society together. And Lord knows we want the society to be held together. Return to no man evil for evil. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. And this speaks to what Will was saying. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. If he is saying mean things about you, say good things about him. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. These are all ideas that we need to keep at the front, as with everything we talk about in chapel, at the front of our minds. One of the ways that we support each other, that we put courage into each other and strengthen each other is through acts of kindness, just as the Samaritan did. And let's think about how we can show kindness to others. Listen to somebody who might need a good ear. Practice forgiveness. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Hate the sin, but love the sinner. And I often reference C.S. Lewis in this talk because he said at one point, I couldn't see how you could hate the sin and love the person who committed the sin. But he said, until I realized that I'd been doing this to one person all my life, and that was myself, that I might make a mistake, but I wouldn't stop loving myself. I would be working harder to correct that mistake because I didn't think it was up to my best. Hate the sin, but love the sinner. Stopping and thinking of ways we can be of service. Think about that service and sow the thought and reap an act of kindness from it. 
Sow that act of kindness and reap a habit. Sow the habit, reap a destiny, sow a character, sow a character, reap a destiny. These acts of kindness give us hope. They make us feel included. They make us feel safe to pursue our dreams. They make us feel a part of the vine. We often traditionally quote Sir Philip Sidney here because when he was dying on a battlefield, a foot soldier was brought in and Sir Philip Sidney refused the water offered to him and said, give it to that foot soldier because his need is greater than mine. His need is greater than mine. How fulfilling our lives will be if we are all Samaritans. If we're all like John Lewis. If we create a community where all can thrive. Remembering the Henry James quotation, three things in human life are important. The first is to be kind. The second is to be kind. And the third is to be kind. Sue Kung asked, is there any one principle upon which one's whole life may proceed? Confucius replied, is not reciprocity such a principle? What you do not yourself desire, do not put before others. Confucianism. This is the sum of all true righteousness. Treat others as thou wouldst, wouldst thyself be treated. Do nothing to thy neighbor, which hereafter thou wouldst not have thy neighbor do to thee. Hinduism. Do unto all men as you would they should unto you, and reject for others what you would reject for yourself. Islam. A man should not wander about treating all creatures as he himself would be treated. I'll do that one more time. Say it without the without the negative. A man should wander about treating all creatures as he himself would be treated. Jainism. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Christianity. What is hurtful to yourself? Do not do to your fellow man. That is the whole of the Torah, and the remainder is but commentary. Judaism. <laughs>